We've been doing this series through the book of First Samuel, and um, I'm uh, taking a little break from teaching on Sunday mornings. Uh, we got to hear from Brian Tabor last week. We're going to hear from Phil Steiner this morning, and uh, Phil and I talked this past week, and with uh, the events of the past week, uh, we both agreed, yeah, it's, it's a good idea to just take a break from First Samuel and, and focus on something else. God's really put some thoughts on Phil's heart this morning around the idea of lament. And uh, before Phil comes, I, I just want to say a couple of things. Um, we live in a violent world. Uh, a week ago today, uh, nearly 300 people killed in Baghdad. Uh, from a bomb, and then we see the, our, the events in our own nation uh, three weeks ago in Orlando this past week, uh, two unarmed black men killed by police officers, and then the shooting in Dallas where five police officers were killed, six injured. Uh, it's not okay. It's not okay. And, and we as a community uh, need to recognize that. And um, we are a people of faith, and so therefore a people of prayer. Uh, we're also called to be a people of action and, and to live into the way of Jesus, which will bring change, uh, racial reconciliation, peace, hope, forgiveness, uh, a new day, a new way of being in the world. Um, something that gave me hope was a post I saw by <clears throat> a gal named Natasha Howell, African-American woman, she posted, so this morning I went into a convenience store to get a protein bar. As I walked through the door, I noticed that there were two white police officers, one about my age, the other several years older, talking to the clerk, an older white woman, behind the counter about the shootings that have gone on in the past few days. They all looked at me and fell silent. I went about my business to get what I was looking for. As I turned back up the aisle to go pay, the oldest officer was standing at the top of the aisle watching me. As I got closer, he asked me how I was doing. I replied, okay, and you? He looked at me with a strange look and asked me, how are you really doing? I looked at him and said, I'm tired. His reply was, me too. Then he said, I guess it's not easy being either of us right now, is it? I said, no, it's not. Then he hugged me and I cried. I have never seen that man before in my life. I have no idea why he was moved to talk to me. What I do know is that he and I shared a moment this morning that was absolutely beautiful. No judgments, no justifications, just two people sharing a moment. Uh, we need to be a people about racial reconciliation. We need to be a people who care about people of color. We need to be a people who care about our police officers because even though there is a very broken system in many of the police departments in our nation, there are also very, very good police officers. And I was talking to one yesterday at the wedding who said, my job just got exponentially more difficult. He is our very own Tom Sabito, and I hope you will join me in thanking him for our service to our community. He's one of the good ones, and I'm honored to get to call him friend and brother. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I'm going to read something. Uh, Phil will talk a whole lot more about this in a moment. Um, but you know, the Psalms are filled with what we call Psalms of laments, and we as the Christian church have really lost 
the laments in many ways. Uh, about four years ago or so, we had a band come play uh, a concert for our church called Over the Rhine. Uh, the lead singer of that band, Karen Burquist, she wrote a lament. She says, I woke up to the gut-wrenching news this morning as we all did. These words came to mind. Till we lay these weapons at your feet, Lord, how long? How long? Till we call all hatred obsolete, Lord, how long? How long? Till we walk the lovers through Bethlehem, how long? How long? Till the lion lies down with the lamb, Lord, how long? How long? Too late. I know it's not too late to wrestle with this angel. Higher and higher, don't let go. Higher and higher, before we know. How does it end? How does it end? We're all riding on the last train, trying to find our way home again. Till we wash the blood from the hands of our fathers, how long? We're all sisters and brothers, sons and daughters. How long? How long? Our eyes all shine in different colors. We cry, Lord, how long? Our dreams, our tears are all the same by and by, Lord. How long? How long? Too late. I know it's not too late. To climb up Jacob's ladder higher and higher. Don't let go higher and higher. Before we know, how does it end? How does it end? We're all riding on the last train, trying to find our way home again. It's not too late. Will you pray with me? God, in the midst of pain and suffering, in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of what so often feels like a violent and unkind world. May we be a people who look different, bringing your hope, bringing your healing, being a people who long to live into the way of Jesus and to bring change to a very broken world. God, we acknowledge our desperate need for you. Fill us with your presence and fill us with your love. Comfort the families of those who were killed. God, may we be a people of comfort, bringing your comfort and love. Morning. Well, um, I want to share with you my week and kind of how this progressed for me um, with a little bit of a light moment to kind of lighten our mood here a little for a moment. Um, I've known about what Matt was asking me to share of, of 1 Samuel 13 and, and, and 15. And um, so I was pre preparing for this and thinking about, okay, so how can I go about, you know, 
sharing this. This was, you know, first this week, like on Monday. And I really wanted to just, um, you know, a few, a few weeks ago we were here and Matt, you know, kind of poked a little fun at me with the whole Believeland, Cleveland Cavaliers, Warriors thing. And so I just wanted to show this. But um, so... Cleveland. Um, and then, s- s- <laughs> well, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm the Cleveland fan. Right, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't mean to heap more on this morning. Um, so, that, so, so, so that was Monday. And then Tuesday, I believe it was Tuesday morning, you know, reading through my Twitter feed and my Facebook and seeing the happenings of Alton Sterling. You know, a man who was killed. And my heart broke. Like, God, another one. Then Thursday morning, seeing Philando Castilla. Like, God, what's going on? And Thursday night, we had a high school student over to our house. And Having dinner with him and getting to know more about more who he was. He just was on a previous Mexico trip, and just had a moment to again just check my Twitter feed on the sly and start seeing the stuff. Dallas, Dallas. I'm like, what is going on? And after he leaves, turn on the news. And you're at a loss of words. You see. The Dallas Police Department providing a safe way for people to express their feelings about police brutality. And they walk the streets in a peaceful way with police officers providing this for them. And then one lone gunman kills five police officers. Officer Brent Thompson, Officer Patrick Samaripa, Sergeant Michael Smith, Officer Michael Kroll, Officer Lauren Ahrens. And Thursday night, I'm like, God, I, I can't do Samuel. And knowing Matt, Friday, I, I like, and can we talk? And then conversation with Matt, and Matt was like, yes, this is, you know, we obviously need to spend time here. And then he reminded me of, like, you know, this is, Let's think about, you know, bigger things. What, the 1st of June? Orlando. 50 people killed in our LGBT community suffering. Bangladesh, Baghdad, Syria. And you just go, God, how long? Remind me of Psalms 22, where he says, we're... The psalmist says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 13 begins with, how long, O Lord, will you forgive me, or forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? It is evident, if we didn't know already, we live in a broken world. And in this brokenness, to me, it's evident that we, that there is a force an evil force amongst our nation and our world that is set on hate and evil and division. And we take sides. 
And this morning, I want to spend some time in this idea of lament. What does that mean? What, what is that about? What is this practice that the psalmist did so much of? And actually, the psalms are made, I think, the majority of the psalms are laments. A lot of times we spend time in the thankfulness, rejoiceful things, which are good. There's also, if you read through some of these psalms, you kind of go, what's going on here? There's this lament that is happening. And so lament means it is a passionate expression of grief, sorrow, anger, frustration. Lament addresses God directly on the occasion of some calamity as a response to a crisis. We are in crisis. And as I've done research on lament, you know, it breaks down to plea and praise. There's the plea side where there's this address to God, there's the statement of reality, and there's this trust and petition to God. I just want to walk through these. And we've probably all been in moments in our lives where we go, God, where are you? I'm walking through the valley of death. Where are you? The very act of a lament is the, oh, God. The act of, like the psalmist in 13 says, how long, oh, Lord, is a direct step of faith towards God with this, this sense of lament that I still believe you are there and you hear me. It is a step of faith that, God, you, I know you're here. I know you see me. And you address him directly. God. Lament is protest and trust. Cannot let go of the questions and cannot let go of trusting in God at the same time. Lament is seeking hope that only God can speak. When you get to a moment like I feel like I am now with the, ha- with the events of this world, like, God, you are it. You are the hope. And, and lament addresses God in the sense of like, if you don't do something, it's over. Like I mentioned in Psalm 13, how long, O Lord? Psalm 142, I cry out to the Lord. Psalm 60, you have rejected us, O God. Psalm 74, O God, why have you rejected us forever? It's that first step of faith in addressing God directly. God. The second step in this is to speak reality and to listen to reality. Psalm 142, we'll be using two different psalms, or actually three eventually. The Psalm 142, you mentioned the addressing God. I cry out, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. My spirit grows faint within me. It is you who watch over me. Then the psalmist goes on with reality. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Man, there's so much there if you think of the events today from the police officers. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. It's just stating the gut level 
honesty. And when we approach God, we address God, and we approach him with the reality of a gut level, like, God, here it is. Two things, I think, happen there. One is that we have faith that, one, that he hears us, but that, two, he already knows us and knows what we're feeling, and so we might as well just say it. And I give you permission, if you haven't already, it's okay to just cuss and just go, God, what the? He knows that. He sees that. He feels that already. And so to already step into that and go, here's the reality of the situation, God. And it's also, lament, I believe in this, is to listen to reality. To listen to, in, this, in these situations, on both sides of the issue, wherever you're at. Whether you're on one side and you hear the Black Lives Matter movement, and, and for a moment, for a while, listen to their voice. What is it that they're saying? Step to be empathetic, at least spend a moment in those shoes. Without judgment, without going, well, but, but to sit there and listen. And listen. Or on the other side, when it, if it's the police officers or whatever that is, to listen to like what Tom has just shared with Matt, of my job just got exponentially more difficult. To sit in that, to listen to that, what does that mean? Not only just for him, but for a family. It is that lament of, like, of reality. God, here is the situation that we are in. And with this come, so Psalm, there's a few verses around this. So there's the speaking the reality that he already knows. The other part of that is just the subject. The, the Psalms of Lament allows us to speak from the darkest reaches of our heart where our despair threatens to overwhelm us. It is the belief that God is big enough for our doubts, our fear, our anger, our frustration, whether we are in the right or not to just let it out. If you read some of the Psalms of David and you hear some of the things that he is lamenting, you go, whoa, 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 you, you can't say that. Honesty with God in our lament. Psalm 142, we mentioned the addressing God in the reality but these laments don't just stop there. There's a turn to trust. The psalmist in one, Psalm 142 says, I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. There's God, here's my reality, but you are my refuge. I trust in you. There's this turn of trust. God, I still believe you will do something. You are my refuge. You are my strength. You are my ever help in trouble. Psalm 13. The addressing God, how long, Lord, how long will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? So here's the, the reality. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. And verse 5 is that turn. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And typically laments end in a praise that I will praise you when I'm through this valley. This praise that says, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I have a friend, um, Kevin Gwynn. He uh, works in inner city Chicago. Um, and he and I have had some discussions about things that have happened this week. And he wrote this blog because a lot of times when, when we approach these issues, we feel like, well, if someone is pro Black Lives Matter, it means that they're anti-police officer. Or if someone is pro police officer means they're anti-black movement. We so quickly run, I, I do at times, shouldn't say we, but I feel like I know that I, I quickly run to polar opposites. And he wrote this, and I think this is pretty, actually I think this is really good. A both and, a way forward. Supportive of law enforcement, both and. Supportive of law enforcement, and passionately opposed to police who abuse power, against the ongoing mistreatment of black people, and strongly for personal responsibility for one's actions. Supportive of public pro protesting and against looting, destruction of property, or harming others. Acknowledging that I have white privilege and using that privilege to advocate for loving and fair treatment of those who with less privilege against urban crime and against a system that over-incarcerates our citizens. Supportive of reasonable gun control and supportive of the privilege to own the arms or firearms. Supportive of a regulated free market, supportive of an increased minimum wage and more regulation on the abuse of top-level executives. Not a Democrat, not a Republican, yet, yet value some positions of both. Many things that I love about Obama, many things that I disagree with his positions. Deep gratitude of living in America and a great desire for us to be truthful about the atrocities that we have committed and the ongoing effects that they have on us today. I like things about Marco Rubio and I like things about Bernie Sanders. Seems polar opposites. I believe there are consequences for actions and I also believe in giving people grace. If we could find avenues for the both and within this discourse that we have today. I want to take a moment of silence to offer, provide you the opportunity to lament, to address God and then in your own heart and mind just to go, God, here it is. And then if there is a verse or something of I trust 
yet I still trust. And finish your prayer time with that. So just take a few moments. And if we have the slide of the, go through this just for a few moments in your own heart as we wrestle with these things. In studying this week, in, in, in reading through scripture and what people have written about lament, I've always known of Psalm 22, but spent more time there in, in, in wrestling with, not, not wrestling with, but, but coming to the realization of more so Jesus in our sorrows. See, I believe that Jesus not only died for our sin, but he also died for our pain, our sorrows, our suffering. When they were crucifying Jesus, one of the things he says on the cross is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is the very first verse of Psalm 22. And one of the last things that Jesus says while on the cross is what? It is finished. Some scholars would argue that the last words of Psalm 22 is, he has done it. Jesus was, was bookending his experience on the cross of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Psalm 22, and finishing it with, it is finished. He has done it. That while on the cross, he is lamenting. He is carrying our sorrows, our pain, our suffering that we are feeling this morning. Saying, you're not walking this path alone. I've been there. I've walked through that. I've been on that cross to take your sorrows, your pain, and your suffering with me. Read Psalm 22 with me. In addressing God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? And here's Jesus, well, the psalmist, laying out the reality. And you will notice things in this psalm that were actually reality as Christ hung on the cross. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And think about this. These are the, this is what Jesus more than likely is praying while on the cross. He's using the words we can use. 
I'm sure we've experienced some of this before. I cry out to you. I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. You are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. If you, our ancestors, put their trust, they trusted and you delivered them. To you and they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. But I am a worm and a man scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults and shaking their heads. Then there's this turn of trust. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord, actually this is not trust. He, if you remember, this is where people were mocking Jesus. I apologize for the typo. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even in my father's breast. For both from birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Here's a petition. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. He goes back to reality. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth has dried up like a, a, like a pot shred, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of my death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. And here's the petition. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword. My precious life from the powers of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouths of the lions. Save me from the horns of wild oxen. And then there's this praise. I will declare your name to the people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. For he, he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for my help. For you come, for you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The last section. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. When I think, for me now, communion takes on a completely different form. It is the symbol of his suffering. It is the symbol of his sorrows, of, of saying, you are not walking this path alone. My body was broken for you. You're not alone through the suffering. It says, my blood was poured out for you. 
So as we consider lament, and as we come to the table this morning, bring your lament to the table. As we sang earlier, bring your burdens to the Lord. And when when we go through the process of addressing God and lamenting, we come to the petition of God, we need you. We need your help. We need your hope because it's only going to come from you. Realize how he works in this world. Through you, through me. Our motto here at Bay Marin bring hope, bring healing. We as a community then get to be part of this greater story of reconciliation, of restoration, of healing, and of unity. So know that when we petition God, God, help. We need to listen for other people who are crying for help and realize that's where I need to move to. We run to conflict. We run to the tension. We run to where there's pain, where there's hurt. To be the voice of hope. To be the voice of God. To find love. To find a way forward. As you come, bring your burden, your lament. And when we're finished, we're going to spend some time praising God for who he is, that he is trustworthy, that he does hear us, that he is in the middle of these atrocities. this morning we need more time of sorrow and grief and it's okay to sit there for some we are ready to pursue what it is that God is calling us to do through this grief do that be sensitive to the voice of God through this grief as to what it is he wants you to do or what you need to do in these moments entrust how great thou art that God is still sovereign. He is still in control. He is still in the midst of all of this. So finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Listen to one another. Comfort one another. Carry each other's burdens. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace be with you. Amen.